Brandon Day is with me to talk about the Detroit Tigers today. We are going to discuss everything, every position, every possibility, and, you know, just kind of what this team has in store for 2018 and beyond. Hope you guys enjoy it and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. So we're going to start at the catcher position. Uh, definitely not Grayson Grenier. It's definitely Grayson Griner. Uh, what I saw an article on Bless You Boys that said that Ron Gardenhire in December said they would probably be the starter. Kind of give me the profile on him and what the future is like behind him. And is there hope for the catching position in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think overall there is some hope for the catching position. Um, Grayson Griner probably represents like a future backup, though. Um, I don't even remember exactly what round Grayson Griner, or, or as we like to call him. No, third. Grace- Sorry, I got it in front of you. Oh, right on. Yeah, Grayson Griner was, uh, <laughs> was taken in. So, yeah, you know, he was never really looked at as like the guy who was going to come up and be necessarily a starting catcher and didn't really, you know, profile like that in the upper minors. Um, you know, he can hit a bit. You know, he looked, you know, like your prototypical, this guy's going to get overpowered by major league, you know, pitching, but probably can can be serviceable and is pretty decent defensively. So there's not a whole lot to be excited about. And I think a lot of us were a little bit surprised that the Tigers seem kind of dead set on giving him the job this year. But most of us really, really had come to just just loathe having James McCann as our starting catcher um, for, for many reasons. Um, and so everyone was kind of okay moving on, but, um, but yeah, you know, Griner really probably should be a backup to the, the air incumbent who is going to be Jake Rogers, um, who the Tigers got back from the Astros in the Justin Verlander deal. Um, in between those two places, you know, the Tigers have kind of stockpiled a lot of guys who are 29 to 31 or a little older. Um, you know, they've got John Hicks who, has never really been a starting player in the major leagues, but you know can can at least fake it behind the plate um, and has a decent bat for a catcher. And then they picked up like Hector Sanchez and Bobby Wilson. Um, you know, big time fans of the sport will remember those two guys because they've you know they've been around quite a bit. Um, neither one of them is really a major league caliber catcher at this point, but um, the Tigers did get those two guys for depth. And so potentially, you know, one of those two could come up and kind of spell things if Hicks just really can't get the job done behind the plate. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, that, that's kind of a bleak picture. And we're all really waiting for for Jake Rogers, who, you know, baseball prospectus has their, um, you know, basically their values that they would, use, you know, and their statistics that they would do for the major league level. They have them for the minor leagues. And Jake Rogers was like a six war player last year at Erie um, at the double A level. And most. And most of that is defense. Um, you know, just about everybody I've talked to will tell you that Jake Rogers is, is the best catcher, the best catcher um, in the entire minor leagues right now. And so the Tigers do have that coming. The questions just kind of revolve around, like, is he going to have enough bat? Um, and he's kind of got like this high leg kick. Um, he looks a little bit like Mike Napoli um, at the plate. He's kind of, you know, c- kind of takes some hacks and has a distinct uppercut swing. Um, and, you know, the Tigers being the organization that they are, they don't like the uppercut swing, whereas those of us who are watching, you know, the way driveline is teaching hitting and, you know, what's been going on with uh, the launch angle or the plane matching swing um, and all that kind of stuff are kind of like, you know, don't mess with him too bad. Um, you know, he came out at Erie last year 
fell on his face for two months, um, mostly for for kind of BABIP reasons, really. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to explain it. He was striking out too much, but um, he got it together, and I think he posted almost an 800 or a little above OPS, you know, the, the last three months of the season, hit 17 home runs, um, sprayed home runs all over the outfield to all fields. And actually, I think his walk rate was like 11 or 12 percent. So, you know, to us, that kind of looks like, all right, this might be another like Alex Avila type hitter, like a guy who who walks and hits for power, but will just always strike out a lot and not, you know, and not put together a very good average. And that is all perfectly fine um, if the defense is as good as advertised. And from what I've seen, it is, um, he, you know, he's a very, very smooth receiver great blocker and thrower, um, everything we hear about, like the way he leads pitching staffs and, you know, talks to his pitchers and thinks through how, the approach to different hitters is all supposed to be great. Um, so all signs point toward Jake Rogers being our starting catcher next year. Um, and maybe they'd even, I don't know if they'd bother like gaming him, you know, for, for the 40 days or whatever. Um, they might do that, but I would expect that by next year, he's going to be up um, a defensive catcher that good. If those are his main attributes, you know, that a catcher, you know, the knees go fast. You don't really want to waste a guy's defensive prime trying to, you know, squeeze just that little bit more out of his bat. Um, he, he'd be ready to play in the majors right now behind the plate. Um, and it's just a question of if they can, you know, if they can kind of get a little bit more of a contact approach out of him and um, and cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. And so they're going to work on that this year at double A and he'll probably at, be at Toledo at the triple A level, um, at least by midseason. And before long should be our starter. And I would assume that eventually Grayson Griner will be his backup. So that's not going to be a bad pairing. Um, you know, defensively, they should be solid. Neither of them is likely to be a particularly good hitter. But, you know, that's just par for the course, um, unless you have JT Real Muto or one of the two or three actual hitting catchers in the game right now. So it's not so bad. Um, the outlook at catcher, I actually think, is pretty good. Yeah, the good news is, unlike Alex Avila, his dad can't trade him 85 times. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the most savage thing Although, I've ever I seen. I know, that whole thing was weird. Um, and, you know, Al Avila had to keep giving these quotes about it, like, you know, how his, his, you know, his wife was yelling at him. You know, other family members are like, oh, you're taking the grandkids away. You know, you just shipped them over to Chicago. Yeah, this has got to be awkward. He did it once. He did it like two, three times. Yeah, he did. Yep, he did it twice. Yep, yep for sure. Like, can you imagine... Like, you know, you joke about you joke as a parent all the time. You're like, oh, I'll trade you my kid. You know, I'll trade kids with you. That's like this <laughs> little side joke. Avila did trade his kid like twice. Yep. Yeah. Without That's... a second thought, you know, just dealt him coldly. <laughs> it's just so funny. I got him. A, I, I know it is funny. And, you know, he got him a World Series ring with the Cubs. So, yeah, <laughs> more power to him. Do you like write a note, write a text to your dad? Be like, thanks for trading me after that. Like. Yeah. Or do you come up with your ring and just be like, oh, in your face, when yeah. are you going to win a ring, Dad? <laughs> uh, somebody that does have a ring. What a segue. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is the face of this franchise, still in the middle of that you know, extension that was given to him in 2014 that started in 2016. He's healthy again. You know, and before he got hurt last year, Miguel Cabrera was actually having not a Miggy kind of year because I think we could tell something was a little ailing a little bit with him. But it's having a leader in the clubhouse, having Miguel Cabrera back and healthy. I read an article on Bless You Boys today that said, you know, the bicep is healthy again and Miguel is smiling, but he's focused. What's the feel with Miguel right now? And, you know, how is it having him back, basically? It feels really good to have him back, um, you know, just for just for the fun of watching him play and just, you know, kind of the looseness with, with which he plays. And, uh, you know, his sort of Atrian Beltre, you know, type penchant for messing with people on the field and all that stuff. He's just 
you know, with Justin Verlander gone, he's sort of the presence. Um, he's, he's the guy that, you know, you see all the young guys look up to. Um, he's the guy that all the fans come out to see still. And yeah, they really missed him. And, and last year was really just like the absolute nadir of, uh, of my Tigers fandom, at least since like the 2003 debacle. Um, you know, there just was no, there was no movement last year toward the Tigers getting better yet, really. You know, they, they picked up like Leonis Martin and Mike Fires, and they dealt those guys for a couple decent prospects, but there was just not a lot of meat on the bone there. And you didn't get to see that many of the prospects coming up last year. Um, so, you know, there's more to look forward to in general this year, but just having Miguel back um, really makes it feel like the Tigers again. And, you know, he tore the bicep and that's something that, you know, should be, you know, fully repaired and, and healed and rehabbed and good to go. The thing that's really kind of held him back is just the lower back issues. Um, you know, he's had some disc issues, which is, you know, natural for a player his age. Um, and a lot of times they can kind of, you know, get it back together and manage that to where you're still loose enough and, you know, aren't really having any um, systemic issues. So we'll see if maybe he can get back to that point this year, because as you say, you know, he's still a really, really good hitter. The thing that's lacked the last couple of years is that he's just he when the, the back is bothering him and especially early in the season when it's cold. He's just not really able to get the ball up in the air the way he used to. Um, he's not quite able to squat down into his legs and drive it, you know, up in the air as as much. Um, you know, we saw this in 2016 where, you know, his his numbers, his on-base percentage, you look at, like, the exit velocity off the bat, it's still, you know, top two or three in the game consistently, but it's just a matter of getting it in the air. And um, he finally started kind of hit that point in 2016, like, right around the All-Star break and just went nuts the, the whole second half. And that's kind of been his M.O. his whole career. You know, he's always a little bit of a slow starter and then takes off. So when you look at his numbers from last year, yeah, there's like three home runs. Um, but in every other capacity, like he was hitting the ball hard, wasn't striking out, you know, any more than normal, um, was still taking his walks and driving runs in. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, and you just hope that they can kind of nurse him into the summer months where he's you know a little healthier than he's been the, the past two years or at least feels better and can do a little bit of damage. Because, um, yeah, we'd like to see... Uh, 500 home runs come up on the board here before too long. And uh, yeah, last year really kind of cut into the the progress toward those, those markers that he's got in his future. So is there a successor in the system? I mean, is there a prospect that's like waiting at first base? Is there a possibility that he could eventually go to the DH role or is he just going to play first base because he's Miguel Cabrera? Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to play first base a lot still because he's Miguel Cabrera and um, you know, and he's never gotten hurt you know, playing the field, it's always running the bases right. or swinging the bat. So I'm not really sure if it matters that much. And he's still a pretty good defensive first baseman. Um, there really isn't anybody who profiles like as a, you know, your typical like big donk who mashes taters and can't play anywhere else on the field. Um, there's there's a guy, Ray Rivera, who the Tigers took in the second round uh, in 2017, who kind of fits that profile. But um, I, I just don't know if he's going to hit enough. We'll just have to have to see. There's a lot of questions about, you know, his ability to uh, to, to hit you know, advanced pitching. And I don't, I don't really see it coming. So not really, but you know, first base, you know, re really what we're looking what the Tigers rebuild needs is, is a couple of good middle infielders um, who can hit uh, that. That's where they need to focus. And if, you know, they have to piece something together at first base and, you know, a corner or outfield spot down the road that, you know, th those things are kind of, you know, easier to deal with, but, um, but yeah, it's the lack of a really good shortstop prospect and the lack of a really good second base prospect that really is kind of, um, kind of the chief concern and the Tigers need to find a way to address that with a trade and a hopefully a good draft, hopefully a lucky draft as well. 
Well, I'm glad we picked the time to do this that we did because we actually had, well, a minor signing. You know, it's not as big as the signing that happened yesterday, but, you know, uh, Josh <laughs> Harrison is a member of the Tigers. You know, Josh Harrison isn't Manny Machado. Let's not, let's not pretend like he is, but uh, he is a free agent that's signed. So, I mean, we're moving in the right direction of free agent signing again. You know, he's kind of this ultra-utility guy for the infield. I mean, he could also play the outfield if you really need him to, but, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest it. Where does Josh Harrison fit on this team, and do we think he's going to see a lot of time? Yeah, I mean, I think he will probably, you know, I'd probably get peg him for like 450 ABs, something like that, maybe 500. He is versatile enough that they can kind of move him around. And the thing that Tigers don't actually have is a DH. Like now that Victor Martinez is gone, that that space is opened up, and it's going to let them kind of kind of flow a lot of their sort of utility players um, through that spot. Miguel Cabrera will DH some, but there's, there should be enough room for Harrison to play second base. Yeah. You know, maybe a, a hundred games, maybe they'll throw some to Nico Goodrum, who's kind of being developed as our hopefully kind of Marwin Gonzalez type utility man. Um, we'll see about the super part. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that the Tigers didn't stop looking. Um, I actually wrote a piece just the other day, which felt like the fifth time we'd, we'd kind of gone over the free agent market this off season, like begging the Tigers to do something and it was just that, you know, the, the, the way the cycle of free agency has kind of come undone the past couple of years, you're seeing you're seeing this more and more where, you know, the big guys are still getting their money for the most part. And I assume Bryce will get his money. But it's the, those older veteran free agents that used to get like three or four deals, maybe, you know, year deals and maybe like, you know, eight to ten million dollars. And those guys are now getting like one year, two million dollar, three million dollar offers. And so they're coming back into free agency every year, too, which just kind of like creates this spiral where all these guys are just sitting around. So the Tigers didn't really have a second baseman and I'm, you know, I'm not super enthused about Josh Harrison necessarily, but um, you know, you put him next to Jordy Mercer who they already picked up from the pirates and like, we, we can feel the the claws of Jim Leland all, all around this move. <laughs> this off season. And, you know, he should help out a little bit and, you know, at least kind of, uh, they don't seem to think Nico Goodrum is really like a, a bona fide like starting second baseman. So, you know, and the prospects that we were, we were afraid they were going to call up a guy, Dawel Lugo, who they got in the J.D. Martinez deal, who really just doesn't, you know, just really hasn't panned out much as a prospect and wasn't really that good a get at the time either um, in that deal, even though he was sort of the main piece. So we didn't want to see him. So I'm happy to have Josh Harrison in there for a year as a stopgap. And then we will wait for the legend of Cody Clemens to continue to blossom. And uh, I was about maybe. to say, I was like, maybe, I was yeah. about to ask a very selfish question. I uh, know Longhorn, Longhorns guy. You know you got to ask about Cody and you know see what's going on. I say this. I say this eighty-five times. My mom named me Austin for a reason. I was supposed to go to Texas. I chose other options. I love the Horns. I watched the Horns. I just got done watching the Horns yesterday play Rice. Is there <laughs> hope for Cody Clemens? Yeah, you know I do think there is. <clears throat> you know there is hope for Cody Clemens. He's not. Um, you know he's not any kind of you know top one hundred prospect. But the tools are there enough that if I think if he can just kind of find a way to to shorten his bat and and kind of you know and he seems like the type of guy who you know will go all out and do whatever it takes, um, which, which he's going to need to. I don't really get any sense of that sort of like oh I'm Roger Clemens you know son kind of nonsense. That's um, the other brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he seems like you know he's all he's all in on that, and he's he's going to have to you know develop his bat control and learn to kind of fight through. Uh, some tougher at bats, I think, because, you know, the swing is long, you know, he's swinging for the fences a little bit and um, that's probably not going to, not going to carry over into the upper levels of the minors. But, um, you know, he, 
he he sort of has some knack. There's just something about him, and I don't know if it's just his like personal confidence or what, but he's he's a guy that's real easy to kind of dream on a little bit and think like, you know what? I bet you know this dude will be a serviceable second baseman who hits you know 20 home runs. You know it's coming. Give it like two years, and you know I think most most prospect watchers, most scouts will say like, eh, you know his odds just aren't aren't really very good of ever being a starter. But, um, you know, I, I certainly am interested to see what he does this year. And I think this year is probably going to tell us a whole lot. He had a good first year, but, um, you know, he's playing against, you know, kid, you know, 19 year old international free agent kids. And, you he's know, playing against the prep prospect. Yeah. He's playing against basically like the American conference after you just got out <laughs> of the Big 12. I mean, yeah, yeah you should exactly. succeed. Uh, let's yeah. talk about that 2017. Yeah. 2017, 18 draft real quick. I'm trying to okay. I'm, I'm like doing it in my head. You got two Golden Spikes Award finalists in there. What was kind of the feel coming out of that draft? And in retrospect to this point, I know it's not retrospect a lot because it was just last year. How are we kind of feeling about all the about the the draft that you came out with? Um, really pretty darn good. Um, you know, the, the Tigers have had a long history of, of not drafting and developing very well. And some of that has to do with, um, you know, giving away picks to sign free agents kind of through the Mike Illich years. And the Tigers really stripping down like their, you know, their international scouting efforts and um, really kind of paring their whole organization down to the bone to really put all resources into trying to win the World Series right now. And so there are plenty of reasons. It's not necessarily just that, the, 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 you know, the Tigers front office sucks at this. Obviously, Alavila has a, a very long and distinguished history as a scout. Um, those guys do, to some degree, know what they're doing. And it, we just kind of saw this year, like if or in the 2018 draft, it felt like they finally recognized some things that other teams had known all along, which is, you know, to, to look for high end tools, to look for upside and to not, you know, keep, you know, drafting the same like semi hard throwing, you know, right hander out of the SEC who, you know, wasn't particularly notable. You know, they just they did that kind of thing like for years doing that, picking up like you know, random college outfielders who, you know, just didn't really have the speed or the power potential to ever become, you know, anything particularly good. So I, we think they did better. Um, you know, we like Casey Mize. Um, that, that was kind of a no brainer pick for them. Um, I did kind of make a fuss about preferring Nick Madrigal to some degree, but I, I, I felt like it was thin slicing, you know, there's not, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be mad either way. So they did all right there. Parker Meadows, you know, a prep prospect who, um, you know, has a lot of tools as well. He's, he's fast. He's got good power, pretty good eye for his age. Um, the swing is a little long. He's got refinements to make, but I think everyone was happy with that. You know, Cody Clemens is a third round pick. You know, I mean, you know, the first first selection in the third round. So he's a little little higher than just a third round pick. But, you know, I felt pretty good about that. Um, they picked up uh, a guy, Tariq Scrubel, who is uh, a hard throwing lefty with a really good rising fastball. And I think they got him in like the fifth or sixth round. Um, so yeah, there was, there was just a little bit more upside. They, they grabbed a guy, Hugh Smith out of um, like a small school up in Oregon who, you know, can throw 96, 97 and is like six, nine. It's kind of all had it come together for him late in uh, in his college career. So yeah, there was just a little bit more of that kind of thing. Like some, some upside guys, Brock Dethridge, who has one of the best names in the minor, in the minor leagues, um, college outfielder uh, with, you know, like some grade him like double plus speed plus power. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to hit enough, um, but at least he's the Tigers seem to have recognized that, you know, draft some athletes. You know, once you get past round one or two, 
you know, go, go for the athleticism and, you know, hopefully they'll improve the player development system enough to, uh, to develop a few of these guys and pull something out of the late rounds, which is something we really never, never really get. Um, you know, I think of like Drew Smiley, Alex Avila, like, you know, those were college pickups in the late, in, you know, like the late top 10 rounds, um, where they found somebody, but a lot of times they, they just have completely whiffed after the first round or two. So I think in, in general, we're all feeling better about that. Um, it's just a question of whether, you know, obviously how they pan out and if there's really a, a noticeable change in process, like the Tigers, you know, they, they've definitely gotten on the data revolution and they have all the, the, uh, the tools now. We just don't know for sure if they know how to use them. <laughs> so we'll see. So does Harrison start at second base on opening day? Yes, he does. Okay, yep. and then Goodrum's kind of the utility guy behind him. Uh, help me out with shortstop because, you know, we talked about the struggles at the middle infield positions. Who is on the receiving end of a double play ball when we're talking about shortstop? Um, well, it's going to be Jordy Mercer as the starter for sure. Um, and that's probably going to be it's, that's probably going to be the case all year. Um, Nico Goodrum can play shortstop, uh, you know, and, and kind of fake it there for a few games. So, you know, Jordy might get get some days off um, to let Nico play there as well. <laughs> it, it's kind, it's kind of a weird situation because you want Nico Goodrum to get those at bats because right. he, you know, at 26, like came out and had a pretty good year. You know, he's he's a guy who looks like he could hit 15, 20 home runs, steal 15, 20 bases. Um, it's just they, they can't quite figure out where they want to play him. Um, and he, he's probably going to play some corner. And you're going to see like Kristen Stewart and Nick Castellanos take some of those DH spots too. But yeah, I think Jordy Mercer's basically got a lock at shortstop. And then the guy they traded uh, Leonis Martin for last year to the Indians, um, Willie Castro, is a 21-year-old switch hitting shortstop who, you know, he's got the, the glove to play shortstop at at least an average level in the major leagues. So he's going to be the guy to get the next shot. Um, probably next year, I would assume. Um, he he probably probably doesn't have the bat um, but to, to stick and become like a, a part of a rebuilt like contender. He'll he probably will end up in a utility role somewhere down the road if things go well. Um, so that's kind of where they're at. And yeah, you you might see Willie Castro at some point before September, but he's kind of um kind of the backup like you know late season call up type type cat. Um, Isaac Paredes is probably the Tigers' best-hitting um, prospect right now. He's a 19-year-old from Mexico who they traded uh, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila, who we talked about earlier, um, to, the, to the Cubs in 2016 and got him when he was, um, I think he was 17 at the time. And he's just about to turn 20 now and has mashed his way like right through the Florida State League. Absolutely wrecked shop there and at Erie this year in A as a 19-year-old. Um, he has the hands and the arm. And probably the instincts too, um, in the first step to play shortstop, but really just just lacks the range and has gotten has really kind of filled out early, um, which I think is a, one of the reasons why a lot of a lot of the the prospect lists haven't had him very high or haven't even had him in the top 100. Is that a lot of people seem to think like he's already you know basically he's just a dude who was really advanced at a young age and he's he doesn't have that much ceiling left to fill out. Um, but you know. The dude matches, and um, and he can play the infield, and the Tigers need all the guys like that that they can get. So he probably will end up moving to either second base or third base um, down the road. But you know, you'll you'll look at at the Tigers' top ten prospects or whatever, and see him with the shortstop next to him. That's probably not the case. So I wouldn't expect him to to come up and be the Tigers' next shortstop unless he 
you know, really gets in, in just incredible shape and pulls off some kind of Johnny Peralta renaissance <laughs> with himself as a young man. Um, Johnny Peralta had to do it when he was a little bit older. But um, so, yeah, that, those are kind of the options. And that's that's really like the key positional weakness that they have. Um, if they, If the Tigers had... You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. might even be just asking way too much in general. But if the Tigers had a good shortstop prospect, I think the entire system would look a whole lot better. Well, hell, if you had just one of the Ti- one of the Pirates infield prospects at this point, I mean, they have eighty-five of them. It's just yeah, they got plenty. Yep. Just like give us one. You know, it's like a it's like a lending it. I know. Why is everybody hoarding? Yeah, exactly. I mean, call, <laughs> just call San Diego. They have eighty-five pitchers too. Yeah, I would like to call San Diego. Al Avila better be calling San Diego yeah, for right now, real. Too. Preller, Preller loves making deals, too, that's for sure. He does, and, you know, you guys are there right now. You know, they put the money mm-hmm. down, so it still seems like you guys could use yourself a, a nice starter. You know, maybe a maybe an extreme fly ball pitcher like Matt Boyd or something who, you know, has been really durable and, you know, developed a new slider last year. You know, I'm not saying we want that much. You know, I don't expect Luis Urias or anything. You know, but you know we'd like to take a dip. We'll talk about it, though. We'll talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> we'd like to dip into your prospect pool. That's all. It's not even a dip. It's like, If you take yeah. one prospect out of there, it's like taking, like, just a milliliter. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yep. But, uh, you know, I got to ask because, you know, Jim Leland was there forever. Uh, did you see a change in the team at all between how it was ran or anything when Gardenhire stepped in? And I know it's got to be kind of weird having a guy that you went head-to-head with for so long now in the manager's spot, in the manager's office in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt a little weird last year. You know, the thing is, like, Ron Gardenhire was, is just a very likable dude, um, you know, and obviously a really, really sound baseball man and stuff. So, it wasn't that awkward. It was, it's what was jarring was going from Jim Leland to Brad Osmus for a couple of years. And then, you know, yeah. having everything just flame out. And then we go to Ron Gardenhire and we're talking about the future, but we've basically, you know, got Ron Gardenhire bringing in like the 2005 Minnesota twin staff. You know, we've got Rick Anderson's our pitching coach on now. Tory Hunter. Yeah, exactly. You know, Tory Hunter is going to be a special assistant to, uh, to Ron Gardenhire at some point here. Unless you he got to know that. <laughs> yep. Which he might, you know, he might find a better gig. But yeah, you know, I really wanted Gabe Kapler. And if, you know, when the when the decision time came up, my feeling on it was like, you know, the Tigers are going to suck for a couple of years. We all know that they've got to catch up in a lot of areas of the game. Like, why wouldn't you hire Gabe Kapler, who was, you know, head of player development for the fucking Dodgers um, and try some things? Because if things don't work out, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but instead, you know, they went with like, the kind, the move that they made almost felt like if they were going to continue to try to win and, you know, and hold the band together and all that, that's when you would bring in Ron Gardenhire. Like Ron Gardenhire would have made a lot more sense, like in 2014 when Brad Osmond started um, than he did to me now, um, you know, and, you know, he's a very Santa Clausian character. He's funny. He's got the dad jokes. Like I can't help but find him endearing. But um, but I, I would personally like to punt him and the entire coaching staff into the Pacific and most of the front office with him at this point. So that is yeah, I mean, quickly. That's, yeah. That's where I, you know, that's where I am. You know, we've talked about it enough and I, you know, I don't really feel like the need to make a huge fuss at this point. It's, it just is what it is. And we've given them a couple of years and they are starting to catch up um, in certain areas. The analytics department is really, really bulked out and you, and you can kind of see the, the impact of that a lot more. Um, it's just that, you know, a couple of years ago, we could have just hired like, you know, Heim Bloom or somebody from the Rays or, you know, picked up a GM who could walk right in and, you know, build a modern organization from scratch within like a year or two. 
you know, like what Theo Epstein did when he went to, you know, the Cubs, you know, I mean, the Cubs were still like filing, you know, scouting reports on little note cards that were all in these like library card catalogs and just this, you know, antiquated bullshit everywhere. And uh, Theo Epstein went in there with a, you know, with a flamethrower and outsourced, you know, the database and did some of those things and got it done really fast. Um, whereas, you know, the Tigers are ostensibly in year, you know, two of the rebuild, if, if you believe in such a thing. And um, and we're just kind of starting to come online with all that stuff right now. And you still don't know, like, OK, but are the player development people that they've hired any good? You know, we've still got Lloyd McClendon, you know, as the overall like hitting instructor for the entire organization. That doesn't terrify me, you know, like Lloyd McClendon's been doing this a long time, but he's not my idea of like a cutting edge, you know, you know, like man who's who sees the future and knows knows how to get there. So. Yeah, overall, the the organization has been a, a real source of frustration on those on those grounds for quite a while, and um, it just kind of sucks that we've already spent like three years. You know, the Tigers haven't made the the playoffs since 2014, um, and it just feels like just now they're actually starting to make real progress. So, yeah, there's my take on the whole organization as a as a whole. We nailed it. We nailed it. We got everything. <laughs> um, so third base, are we looking at Candelario opening day? Yep, for sure. Um, and Candelario has been a really nice player. He had some wrist issues last year, and basically his production just tanked after the first, say, two months of the season. But um, but most of what we've seen from him, I mean, it's it's a very professional at bat, um, a really good eye for the strike zone, a lot of discipline, um, seems to kind of do everything right out on the field. He's got good hands um, and a good arm at third base. You know, he's not particularly fast or athletic, um, but he, he's just he's like a baseball rat type guy. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. You know, I think he's going to, he's going to do fine at least for a year or two. I kind of think that maybe Isaac Prady, so we, we mentioned earlier at shortstop, will end up playing third base and Candelaria would, would probably make a good first baseman. He's kind of got those leadership qualities. Um, he's got the hands to, to pick balls out of the dirt and make the throws. And he, you know, and he's just kind of a smart guy who grew up really intensely in the game. His dad is a uh, hitting instructor in the Dominican Republic and Jamer grew up playing with like Robinson Cano. He still trains with Cano and some of Cano's boys every off season. He's uh, he's a bona fide baseball player. And I you know I don't really know if there's like the potential to to post like a four or five war season. But he seems like a guy who's pretty likely to come out there and just be like a three war player, playing average defense, you know, a little bit above average with the bat, and just kind of do that for the next five or six years. Player most likely on this roster to post a four to post a five war season. Mm. Wow, <laughs> a... it might still be Miggy to be honest. Um, I might say just because you really do have to, t- you know, and it's hard as a fan to take the, the actual injury risk to Miguel Cabrera as seriously as you as you need to. Um, it might be Michael Fulmer. It might still be Michael Fulmer if Michael Fulmer's knee is okay and he can kind of stay healthy this year and kind of get a little bit of that 2016 strikeout touch back. Um, you know, and it also depends on whose war you're using because, <laughs> so uh, you know, obviously, yeah, you know, like Fangraphs war is really heavily fit based and, um, and it didn't like Michael Fulmer as much as B ref did, um, even in his rookie of the year season. But yeah, that, that's kind of, I think that's probably our best bet is Michael Fulmer or maybe kind of goes ham at some point during the season and gets hot and is feeling good. And maybe he posts that number. So when we're looking at this outfield, um, it's not fun. It's not fun. Nope. There's some bats. Yeah, there, um. There's some bats in there. There's, there are human beings out there. 
Uh, uh, they appear to be human beings, although they're very slow moving. Yeah. So we we just talked about Michael Fulmer, who was a subject of a lot of trade talk this not the not necessarily this off season, but more likely during the season last year. Yeah. Another guy that there seems to be trade rumors swirling around, to say the least, is Nick Nick Castellanos. I don't know why I can't talk today, but you know, <laughs> you know, humans, right? Uh, yeah, my mouth's getting dry. That's that's my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, does Nick Castellanos hold value? And what do you think the return would be if you wound up trading him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's hard does to gauge. Some- I know. Yeah, I mean, he does hold some value, but because of his limitations defensively, which are you know pretty extreme limitations, um, it's just kind of tricky to find a fit. Like, I really thought like the Astros, um, you know, especially you know with like Marwin Gonzalez leaving there, um, you know, like uh, Nick Castellanos is a guy, and you know, I think they let Evan Gaddis go, so they had like an opening as at DH quite a bit there. I thought a team like that would be a perfect fit for him. And they might come looking for him because Nick Castellanos is a really, really good hitter. And I don't think um, I don't think we've seen the best of him. I think if you put him in a little bit friendlier park as far as center field goes, I, I think you've got a guy who's pretty likely to continue just to hit for high average and, you know, maybe hit 30 home runs a year. Um, you know, he's 27, I believe now. Um, he, he should be into his prime years. But the past couple of years, he's he's a pretty good offensive player overall, just based on the bat, even though he doesn't really add any value with his, his speed or anything like that. Um, and he still doesn't really draw that many walks. But, um, you know, you look at the season he had last year with literally nothing in the lineup. Like he was the only only hitter in that lineup that opposing pitchers even recognized. <laughs> so, um, you know, he didn't see as much to hit last year. And I think It'll be interesting just to see if that changes a little bit this season with, um, yeah, with Miggy in front of him, probably, I'm assuming, and Kristen Stewart behind him. Um, there's a little bit more of a threat around him, and hopefully he'll see a little bit more to hit because he is still kind of a free swinger, but he's also one of those guys like, um, like I think of him as a hitter, sort of like Michael Brantley. Like, he's just a dude who just smokes line drives all over the ballpark, Um and it's the kind of contact that doesn't really show up as well as, as you might hope in the, you know, in the the, stati- eh, the statistics because he doesn't hit a ton of fly balls. And if he did and they moved him to a smaller park, um, you know, with a different team, you know, like the Crawford boxes would be perfect for Nick Castellanos. Um, he, he would just turn and just pound balls out there all day. So but the problem is, you know, we just saw two years ago what happened with trying to trade J.D. Martinez and, you know, all these teams just kind of like, well, you know, we're not that interested. You know, we don't really like to play him in the outfield. And, you know, on the other side of it, we're over here like, what the hell are you people looking at? You know, this is the best hitter in the game. Like, J.D. Martinez is a better hitter than Mike Trout. He just doesn't have Mike Trout speed. And um, and it's it was just incredible to kind of watch that whole thing go down and to come away basically with like three nobodies, you know three, like, 40 future value prospects. Like, Dowell Lugo is arguably a 45, um, but they really didn't get anybody who, even in the moment, we thought, you know, was ever going to turn into anything. So then you look at Nick Cassianos, who's even sort of like the the step down from that type of player, and I just can't really see anybody, you know, anybody trading for him. And, you know, or at least not giving up, you know, anything that we we'd really want. And the thing was, you know, the market has changed so much. We... I would have thought like two years ago, I was seeing like, you know, the Tigers really need to extend him. And if they don't, you know, the only thing that's going to, you know, kind of work out for them maybe is that they can extend him the qualifying offer and hopefully, you know, you get a, a pick after the first round. But, you know, I don't, I just can't really even see Nick Castellanos getting a $50 million contract. Um, you know, if the Tigers offered him 
a $17 million qualifying offer for next year, I'm pretty sure he would snatch that shit up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that really killed some of the value too there. Cause I, you know, going into this off season, you know, we didn't know if the market would be slow as it was last year again. And I kind of thought, well, all right, you know, you can factor in the fact that if a team trades for him right now and they have them all year, well, then they get, you know, to make the qualifying offer and get that pick. But um, but no one's going to bet on that, I think, the way things have gone this offseason. So, yeah, that really devalued him even further. And, you know, the Tigers will probably move him um, just to save some money in July and, you know, maybe pick up, you know, just a, a decent prospect, some, somebody who's kind of a throw-in. Um, and you never know. Maybe they get really lucky and Castellanos goes ham all first half and somebody really needs a bat. <clears throat> you know, we, we kind of had things work out perfectly um, with the Yoenna Cespedes trade back in 2015. But that was just such a perfect confluence of circumstances where the Mets were, you know, really desperate to go for it, needed that impact bat. Um, you know, the odds of that that kind of a deal coming up again, I think, are pretty slim. So I think we're just kind of going to be stuck with them. Um, I, you know, I like Nick Castellanos. I'd perfectly I'd be perfectly happy to extend him, actually. Um, it just doesn't seem like they've talked that much about that. Um and you don't really want him in the outfield, but I think if the Tigers signed him long term, you could probably start talking him into, uh, you know, playing some first base and moving around the diamond a little bit more. And as I said, you know, the Tigers have a lot of pitching coming, but there aren't that many bats in in the farm system. And keeping a guy like Castellanos around, who's who's a leader, um, is kind of the leader of the younger guys in the clubhouse. Um, seems like it would be a pretty good move because I just don't imagine that they'd even have to pay him that much. Like, I don't know if he'd accept it. Nick Castellanos is a union rep. And, you know, I, I, I assume there's a lot of pressure on those guys, especially to not sign extensions and try to take things to free agency. But, um, you know, Nick Castellanos probably isn't going to get like a five year deal for 50 million um, in free agency. So the Tigers could probably extend him at that, you know, at that amount or even less. Um, and maybe things will come around again next offseason and, and they'll talk about that. Um, it's kind of an awkward fit. But again, like when, when you're as desperate for. For bats and you have as much almost major league ready pitching coming as the Tigers do, you know, you kind of have to figure out a way to, to milk that and get the uh, and get the bats in there somewhere to support it. Otherwise, we're going to be um, waiting on that side of things while the pitchers develop. And, you know, you've got to time that window. It's, it's not easy. So who finishes out this outfield? Well, it's going to be Jacoby Jones in center field. Um, and I, I assume the Tigers are really just kind of going to let let him cut loose this year and and play pretty much the whole season. Um, his bat is just, you know, is just not major league caliber. And I don't really know at this point in his career if he can kind of improve it much. Um, the Tigers have tried to work on some of those things, like trying to work on two-strike approach with him and shortening his swing and, and just trying to make a little more contact. But, um, you know, and those are the kind of things you do with a speed player to try to just hopefully get him to put the ball in play. And he has the raw power and the raw speed where to, you know, to be force multipliers every time he makes contact, but uh, he doesn't make that much contact. But what he does do is run around center field, looking like Calvin Johnson or something, hauling balls in all over the place. And, you know, and grading out as one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. And in Comerica park with Kristen Stewart on one side and Nick Castellanos on the other side, the Tigers really need that. And so I think they're probably just kind of going to roll with him this year. Um, they've got a guy, Victor Reyes, who was their Rule 5 selection last year. And he could play some center field. Um, he was stuck in the major leagues the last year and, and really didn't belong there. And so the Tigers are going to want to give him as much time at AAA as, as possible to kind of hopefully recoup some of that development time. And then the, you know, the future is Daz Cameron. And Daz Cameron, I think, will be up probably in September 
And at that point, you know, we'll just have to see if Jacoby Jones still has has a role. But I, I imagine the Tigers are going to give Daz Cameron the whole year, basically, at Toledo to kind of get comfortable and settle in. Maybe he'll come up and fill in if there's an injury or two, something like that. But um, he's the future at center field. And, you know, Jacoby Jones probably is just a stopgap this year who will eventually kind of be a defensive replacement. Um, but he is fun to watch play defense and fun to watch run the bases. Um, kid's got his hair on fire all the time. And he's he's been entertaining. Uh, I just think there there really isn't anything left to dream on there, even though a lot of people would really like to. Because <laughs> when he does run into one, he has a lot of power. But, he, you know, actually, he's a little bit like he is a little bit like Yuan Mankata in the way I think about him. Like, you know, very athletic and just, you know, just has no sense of the strike zone and swings at bloody everything and can't make contact with most of them. <laughs> so that's Mankata. <laughs> yeah, kind of is, yeah. <laughs> All right, so if we're talking future of the outfield, you obviously mentioned Daz Cameron. If we're, if I told you that it's 2022, do is any of these prospects do you think are still on that are on this roster wind up in that outfield? Um, as far as like the minor league guys, yeah, yeah, yeah Daz Cameron, I you know like I obviously I think is probably the center fielder of the future. There's a guy Jacob Robson who um is kind of a you know kind of a classic fourth outfielder type, and the Tigers do have quite a few guys like that, like the guy Brock Dethridge, who I mentioned earlier. There's a couple other players like that who have a lot of speed, um, probably aren't going to hit enough to really be a, an everyday player. Um, so they have some options like that. And then Kristen Stewart, I think, is going to hit. And this moves us over to left field because Kristen Stewart will play left field, um, I assume, basically the whole season this year. And they want to see him out there as much as possible. Um, Kristen Stewart, like... He, he just the dude can't throw like he just he's just one of those those dudes like Delman Young or something where there's just no whip in his arm. Like he's got kind of short arms and uh, it's just brutal watching him throw. <laughs> so he's really limited to left field. Um, his speed is, you know, maybe a little bit below average and he'll get to, to most balls and he'll catch most of what he gets to. But I assume he's going to continue to grade out, you know, as a pretty mediocre defender, and that's not going to get better over time. But what he will do is show a lot of patience at the plate and just mash some dingers. Um, he's got a lot of natural raw power. Um, he's good at hunting, hunting a pitch he can turn on and crush. And I think the Tigers will have a lot of fun. Like Tigers fans are going to enjoy watching him hit this year, even though, you know, the defensive liabilities are always going to keep him from being anything more than maybe like an average regular um, and yeah, you look down through the farm system, there, there really aren't any high end outfielders until you get to Parker Meadows, who is 19 years old and a long way away still. So, so if we go on to starting pitching, you do have Michael Fulmer, Matt Boyd didn't have an awful year. Matt Boyd's actually pretty good. If yep. we're looking past those two, what does it look like when it comes to starting pitching? And is obviously outside of Casey Mize, cause we're obviously excited about Casey Mize. I mean, it's hard not yep. to be. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you've told me before that you think he's major league ready almost now. What is the starting rotation going to look like now? And what do you think the future is concerning like the farm system? Yeah. And obviously, you know, pitching is where the Tigers have, have placed their emphasis in the draft. Um, you know, basically since 2015, when they took Bo Burrows, they took Matt Manning. In 2016, they took Alex Fiedo. In 2017, they took Casey Mize in 2018. And we traded for Franklin Perez as kind of the key piece in the Justin Verlander deal. So those guys kind of form like the core, apart from like Daz Cameron, Jake, Jake Rogers, Isaac Paredes. Those five guys are the arms that that the rebuild is going to depend on a couple of them working out and, and being good. And 
but for the time being, well, and for the time being at the major league level, yeah, you've got Fulmer, you've got um, Matt Boyd, who I think is primed to have a pretty darn good season. Um, he really revamped his slider last year, like completely rebuilt it at driveline baseball in the off season where he trains. And um, it, w- it was the best version, like this really sweeping, sweeping slider that he was just back footing on righties like all day. And his fastball velocity for most of the year was really down. Like Matt Boyd is a dude who's traditionally sat 92, 93 and he was sitting like 89, 90 um, for a lot of the the early part of last season. And that velocity came back and he, and he was, and he's been durable. You know, he's, he's been out there pitching 150 plus innings every year since we've gotten him. Hasn't really had anything major. So he's got the durability factor on his side too. And so, yeah, I mean, I could kind of see him putting it together with, um, with the velocity back and the slider rebuilt and grading out like extremely well by like Fangraphs pitch values by you know Woba against all that stuff um, was was just a, a radically reinvented pitch. I could see him putting those two things together and actually posting like a three or four WAR season this year. I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that. Um, and then yeah, it's just you know the the two guys you know Fulmer and Daniel Norris who are both you know 25 years old, still very young. But the Tigers brought them up pretty early and, you know, we've already burned, I think, like basically two years of service time on both of them. So we've got this year and then three years beyond it of control. And they've just both been really plagued by injuries. You know, like at the end of 2016, Michael Fulmer was the rookie of the year. Daniel Norris like came down the stretch on the final month of the season and was, you know, just striking out like 11 per nine, you know, had the walks a little bit under control and a lot of people kind of picked him as like, okay, this is the dude who's going to break out in 2017. And he's just dealt with, with this ongoing groin injury. And then the scar tissue lingering from that groin injury after the surgery and then a cleanup. And this went on, you know, all 2017 and for most of 2018. And it, it's really sucked. Cause you know, Daniel Norris has just been snake bit. I mean, since the Tigers got him, the dude has had thyroid cancer he fell and, you know, fractured like one of his like the, the process on one of his um, on one of his uh, vertebrae <laughs> doing box jumps, some box jump contest. So it's just been all these like weird injuries and stuff. And, you know, Daniel Norris still has fantastic stuff. He's got an evil slider. Um, he, you know, when, when he's got his fastball at full power and is throwing 93 to 95, he's got a high spin rate. Um, he dusts people upstairs. The slider is nasty. He's got a really good curveball with a high spin rate. He's got a really good changeup. Like the stuff is all there. He's just a little bit like um, Francisco Liriano at his best. You know, like like sl- a little bit effectively wild. Like you know, wastes a few too many pitches um, because he's a, a fly ball pitcher and a high spin rate fastball pitcher. You know, a lot of the foul balls are fouled back to the stands, and and there's tend to be a lot of them. You know, like the weak contact a lot of times ends up in the stands to the sides or behind him instead of uh, in people's gloves. The way you know, like a sinker baller tends to get a lot of choppers and grounders. So he can he can be a guy who's not very efficient um, on that score, but he's still just supremely talented and has never really had like any kind of an arm injury. So you know, I'm still holding out hope for Daniel. Um, great great kid, super interesting personality. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still stoked on Daniel Norris. So we'll just have to see if he and Fulmer can kind of get it together. Um, if, if the two of those two stay healthy this year and can kind of show what they're capable of, the Tigers rotation is really going to surprise a lot of people and be a lot better than I think people would, would tend to expect. Um, but you know, but that's, that's a big gamble. You'll just have to kind of see how things play out there. And one of those two guys or Boyd 
you know, if, if they are doing really well, you know, those guys have to be looked at as trade chips, of course, then immediately as well. Yeah, Daniel Norris and our guy Caleb Frere, who's a White Sox, can just like swap stories of the bad luck that they've had. I mean, that's just ridiculous for Daniel Norris. I mean, yeah, it's just it's yeah. just a string of bad luck. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And then, you know, you've got obviously, you know, we're stuck with this Jordan Zimmerman contract. And, you know, when Jordan Zimmerman's neck isn't flaring up on him, he's he goes out there and he looks a little, you know, a decent amount like the Jordan Zimmerman you saw with the Washington Nationals, you know, like really, you know, just a excellent command, fastball slider, curveball, carving people up, really, really, you know, really good pitch ability, really smart at setting up hitters, but you just don't know what you're going to get. And the contract is untradeable. So he's, he kind of tends to just be an afterthought. You know, he's kind of a veteran leader in the clubhouse. It feels like, you know, like kind of the, the guy who that, you know, the younger guys will go to, um, but, you know, how much value does that have, really? You know, we're, we're just waiting for this to end. And then, um, you know, and then the Tigers signed Matt Moore and Tyson Ross this offseason. And probably has kind of had a tendency to do this, where he comes out, like, really early in free agency and overpays for a couple guys that he wants to fill positions. And then by the end of the offseason, you know, you're seeing better players go for even less than the Tigers paid. And... And that's kind of where we're at. You know, we're, we're seeing like Tyson Ross making $5 million. I think Matt Moore, you know, Jordy Mercer, I know, got, about, you know, $5 million. And now we're seeing like better options go for two or three that they could have waited on, um, which is a little bit, a little bit frustrating. But um, Tyson Ross is going to have a, a starting role almost, almost certainly as, as long as camp goes reasonably well for him and he's healthy, you know, and he's a couple years removed now from the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. And he pitched really well in the first half last year, um, but kind of fell apart in the middle of the season right when they were looking to trade him. And then the Cardinals just picked him up on the waiver wire and used him in relief. Um, and, you know, we didn't really see a whole lot of him from that point on. So that's just a question. If he, you know, he swears that, you know, he's, the durability's back. He's finally gotten himself back in, you know, the kind of condition he was before the surgery and all that. And if that's the case, Tyson Ross could still be pretty good. And, you know, would probably probably will love pitching in Comerica Park because he's a guy who, you know, can use the big part of the field um, with the high fastball. And, yeah, you know, I could see him having a decent year. Matt Moore, I didn't really like that they got him in the first place. And um, that has a lot to do with just I don't really want to see them blocking Daniel Norris for a guy who's, you know, 29 years old, has been just racked with injuries and hasn't really been effective since, you know, 2014, 2015. Um so, you know, I don't know. They added him in there. And, you know, it's it never hurts to pick up a lefty. But the Tigers already have, you know, Norris. They have Blaine Hardy, um, who was absolutely masterful last year, kind of going between, like, starting and then long relief and then middle relief and then spot starting again and was really great, you know, in every capacity. So they've kind of got three lefties like that, who none of whom really is assured a place in the, in the, the rotation. And I assume they're kind of going to duke it out you know, as, as far as spring training goes, but I really, I really hope the Tigers prioritize Daniel Norris. And if they don't, I'm probably going to be super furious. <laughs> so <laughs> just a warning to any Tiger fans out there. You can expect a very heated email from Brandon Day if such a thing happens. So usually when we get to the bullpen, we go seven, eight, nine. So mm-hmm. kind of break down what the seven, eight, nine for this team is going to look like for me. Okay. Um, let, let's go in reverse. Cause it's, it's more certain that way. <laughs> um, Shane Green is going to start out as the closer again. And 
Shane Green, you know, every year will put together like three or four months where he looks like a really, really good dominant reliever. Um, sitting 95, you know, with a, a, a late life two seamer that really runs away from lefties and breaks a lot of bats to right handers and has a really nasty cutter slider combination, like really nasty. Like when he's going good, um, the slider is is that Frisbee slider that you talk about with like a Corey Kluber. It's a nasty looking pitch. Um but Shane Green has had a lot of injury issues. He's had he's he's had Tommy John like way back, you know, when he was like 19. He's had a lot of nerve issues um, and has had to kind of have the, the nerve move, the ulnar nerve moved a couple times and, you know, comes into camp every spring with like numb fingers uh, and deals with kind of those pins and needles um, all season. And it's just really hard for him to be consistent, I assume. And that, that's kind of what the problem is because he'll look so good. And then all of a sudden the stuff will just fade for a month and you don't really know why. And then it comes back and he'll pitch really well again. Um, the Tigers need to kind of catch him in a hot streak and probably not use him quite so much as they did in the first half last year. Um, you know, this is another, this is another thing is that there, there's sometimes feels like a disconnect between Ron Gardenhire and the front office, as far as like the front office isn't telling him, you know, what to do that's best for the rebuild. You know, they're kind of like, okay, Guardy, you know, it's your show. We, we got, got <laughs> this is your roster, do what you got to do. But, you know, I th- he had Shane Green pitch on back-to-back days a whole bunch in the first half, even in cold weather. He pitched um, the day and night game of a doubleheader and closed both those games. Like, this isn't what you're doing with <laughs> with a guy that is really his only asset to you is as a, a trade chip. Um, so hopefully they, they're a little more careful with him this year. Because he does have the ability to come out there and rip off a really good stretch and be a pretty nice piece to trade in July. So <clears throat> we'll see how that goes. Um, the number eight spot is going to go to Joe Jimenez, who is definitely the best reliever the Tigers have. And, and maybe o- overall, like their best arm in the major leagues, apart from apart from, I guess, Fulmer and Norris. Um you know, Jimenez can run it up there 98, um, has a really lively fastball and gets really good extension. Uh, he's got a nasty slider. He's the guy who looks like, a, you know, he could be a prototypical dominant late innings reliever. And um, I think he's 23 this year. Um, so last year was really his first full season. Um, in 2017, it was kind of ragged and you could see him kind of kind of getting tense and, and fighting it a little bit um, under pressure. And last year he really settled in. Um, the, the dude is a beast. Like he is built and he he spends the offseason working out like a fanatic. Um and, you know, we just see like Instagram clips of him all day, just like, you know, this ridiculous bench press, ridiculous, you know, <laughs> you know, deadlift, just everything. So, yeah, he's a guy who's really, really focused, really motivated. And he would for a traditional team, you would you would peg him as like, OK, this is the closer of the future. Um, you know, even before bullpenning kind of kicked back in, you know, I'm not a fan of using your best reliever that way. So we'll, and the Tigers haven't used him that way. They've kind of flexed him into the, the toughest toughest leverage spots, um, or at least they did last year. And I assume it'll be similar this year, but in the end, like Joe Jimenez is another one who, you know, he's, he's very young, but you don't know how many years you're going to get with a, you know, a hard throwing reliever. And he's probably another one that they're going to have to really consider as a trade chip. If he has a strong first half, because I, you know, I just don't really get the sense that the tigers believe. And if they don't believe it, we don't, (laughs) we aren't going to believe it, that the team is going to be ready to win, um, by 2022, 23. Um, and at that point you're, you're looking at, you know, guys like Candelario and Jimenez, like, well, you know, these guys are going to be in their last year here of team control by that point. And so you probably better move them at their, their highest value point, especially a reliever. 
um, with the injury risk. So yeah, that's that's kind of the story on Joe. He'll be fun to watch um, and probably will make a very nice um, addition for some contending team at the deadline this year and irritate everyone here again. The Tigers are kind of in that place where they're try they're going to try out a lot of arms. Um, beyond the top five starting pitching arms that they have in the minor leagues, there's there's some pretty strong relief arms. There's um, guys like Spencer Turnbull, Bo Burrows, Kyle Funkhauser, who you know probably in the end profile more as relievers um, that, than they do starting pitchers. And we might see those guys you know get it get at least a crack at it this year. And they're going to want to keep those those spots. So I don't really know. Who's going to be the, the seventh guy? I think last year it was Drew Verhagen, who um, is kind of a late blooming reliever that the Tigers have really liked and battled a lot of injury issues um, when it, like his mid twenties, and I think he's like 28, 29 now, and really kind of like refound his slider last year. He's a big kid. He's like six seven. Um, you know, he could run it up there, ninety seven, um, pretty lively two seamer, and he, you know, he could be good, but. His command has just kind of been spotty um, over, over his time, and he's another guy who's a little bit of just sort of a wild card. But I w- right now I would peg him as the the seventh guy, and hopefully it'll be Matt Moore and Blaine Hardy as the two lefties, and then you kind of cycle through all these arms with the final two spots in the bullpen, and you know just keep auditioning people and see who's got it. You know when when they come up, who can uh, who can throw strikes and throw their best stuff. That's the name of the game right there. If you can throw strikes, we're all good. Yep. Yep. And if not, then we know for sure you're no good. Yeah, we probably need to send you somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's the proving ground. Like, well, nope, you finally figured out and started throwing strikes and you suck. So yeah, maybe that's why so many guys don't throw strikes. <laughs> oh, what are your expectations for this team? My expectations. Um, yeah, yeah, that's tough. Like, I, you know, I, we're in a place where I just kind of want to see some fun baseball. Like the Tigers, you know, we're, we're damn near a 500 team for the first couple months last year. Um, kind of gave us some things to root for, you know, and you, and you've got to have them kind of take on that like underdog mentality and enjoy it and, and kind of like, you know, just sort of soak in that feel. And the Tigers did a pretty good job of that last year. Um, there was a crazy incident where they won this game and during the game, a goose like was on the field and wouldn't fly away. And then it tried to fly away and like smacked into the scoreboard and plummeted into the crowd. It was this whole fiasco. So they made up like, you know, a decoy goose, and called it the rally goose and carried that thing around with them, you know, for months, like all this kind of goofy crap, you know, anything to kind of get us through the fact that it's not going to be that great. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking at the tigers basically as like a, you know, another 68, 70 win season, um, with, I think a lot more upside maybe present than last year. Like it wouldn't be impossible for them to, to really kind of go nuts and run it almost all the way up to 500. Um, I don't expect that, but there are at least some, some pieces that could, um, could break the right way for them if a couple guys stay healthy, which is, you know, kind of always the way it goes. But the Tigers also have a lot better depth in the, in the minor leagues than they've had, like, you know, in a decade. Um, you know, so if, if there are injuries to the rotation, they've got guys like Spencer Turnbull, Kyle Funkhauser, Bo Burrows, who, who they can call up. Um, that's better depth than they've had in a while. And it's kind of the same place in the middle infield. Like, I'm not sure that they'd even lose very much if Jordy Mercer went down and they called up Willie Castro just to play good defense and, you know, do whatever little bit he can do with the bat. So, you know, there, there's not a lot to look forward to as far as the team. And um, and that's that's sort of the problem. You just hope that they're kind of like a fun, entertaining group. And you're looking individually like, OK, we need to try You know, we need to hope that this guy can maximize his value. We need to hope that this guy can take a step forward. It's, it's very 
player development centered uh, Major League Baseball at this point in Detroit. Going against the grain might work out for the Tigers in that way. Um, but the front office has just doesn't have the kind of track record that really inspires any confidence. And what we've seen, I think, so far is a lot of passivity from from the Tigers. Like a lot of us would like to see them evaluating their prospects and trading guys away for for major league players. Like if you don't, you know, you, if you're good at this, you kind of already have an idea. You have more information than everybody does about your prospects. And if you know you don't think this guy's going to work out, well, move him before his prospect stock falls. And we're just not seeing much of that. And it just really gives everyone, I think, the feeling that the Tigers don't really have a plan. You know, I mean, I've read the Cubs way, you know, I've read, you know, like stuff about like how the Astros rebuilt that, you know, those are teams that really had a very specific plan down to like, we want this player, we want this player to to build on, you know, the Cubs had Anthony Rizzo in mind from day one, that that was going to be their guy. And then they were going to hopefully sign John Lester in two years. That's very specific. The Tigers are are really kind of throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick, I think. And, um, you know, they've done okay as far as the draft goes, and I, and I like the arms. I'm actually a huge Matt Manning fan. Um, when we did our consensus list this year, I actually had Manning ahead of Casey Mize, which no one else will, will do, but I'm I'm pretty darn convinced Matt Manning is going to be a beast um, and, and might end up looking a little bit like Noah Syndergaard if he can uh, if he can find that cutter because he, he's a big kid. He's, he hasn't pitched very much. He's You know, he was a basketball player who had a scholarship to, to Loyola in, in high school and took up pitching pretty late. And he's, you know, 6'6", with just like this huge stride, massive extension. You know, he had a couple rough, you know, first the first year, first half year of um, of his time as a pro. There, there was a lot of cleanup to do in his delivery, and he lost velocity. He was inconsistent, and a lot of people, I think, kind of backed away from him right there. And he was in the same draft class as Forrest Whitley, who the Astros took like, I don't know, 10 spots after us, which... Really, I'm sure infuriates a lot of people. Um, a salt I'm not so worried about it because I, I, yeah, there could be. I mean, I love Forrest Whitley as a prospect, but um, but Manning, you know, has a absolutely monster curveball. Um, he's got a low spin fastball that he can run up there to 98, and I don't think he's he's maxed out his his physical pro- projection yet. He's a guy who wouldn't surprise me to pr- pretty easily sit like 98, 99 um, as he kind of comes into his full maturity as a pitcher. So, and the command took big strides last year. Um, late in the season, we started seeing a pretty darn good changeup as well um, that played well with that extension that he's got. And, you know, the hitters having to be ready to time that monster, you know, bowling ball of a sinker he's throwing. So, yeah, I mean, that's a guy I really like. Um, and like we've said, Daz, Par- or Daz Cameron, Isaac Paredes, Jake Rogers, like, those those guys with Casey Mize included that five guys like I feel very very strong about that group that they're going to at least give us like five average to slightly better players. Um, what the Tigers are are going to lack is is that star bat and that's going to be the you know or, or two and that's going to be the focus. Um, that's what they hopefully can find in the draft and hopefully find in the trade you know in the next in the next year or so. But um, the passivity that they've kind of had and the fact that they don't really seem like they want to spend much money um, anytime in the near future. You never know. They could turn on a dime and change their mind. But um, that's that's why it was it was really kind of painful to watch Manny Machado be out there. You know, you just don't ever get a guy who can play shortstop who's 26 year old, who's a monster at the plate and hits free agency. It just doesn't ever happen. And it was like that. That's the guy the Tigers need. And they're never going to find that in free agency again. Uh, you know, the odds of, of someone like that just showing up in free agency in two or three years. I, I just don't really see it. Um, Carlos Correa is not really quite that player. Um, we'll see. You know, neither is Xander Bogarts. 
And those guys will be older, older than that when they hit free agency. So those opportunities don't come along that often and they kind of let, let that one go. And I think, you know, that that is going to be the crux of the issue is those couple positions up the middle where the Tigers are really going to have to figure something out. And, you know, around that is probably going to revolve the rebuild because pitching is, is a fragile commodity, but the Tigers do have enough of it. I, I really like the Tigers pitching. We haven't even kind of mentioned some of the younger arms that they've got coming up beyond that. Um, yeah, you know, that that should should support them and hopefully in the future allow them to spend on, you know, on position player pros- or position players in free agency and kind of put the final final touches on this thing. Um, it's just, you know, can, can they bridge that gap to the point where there really are just like a couple moves left to make? And we will have to see. <laughs> so tell everybody where they can find your work, who you are and where they can find you on social media. Hi, guys. My name is Brandon Day. Um, I, you can find my work at blessyourboys.com. Um, I'm a staff writer and editor there and we cover, you know, the Tigers, um, you know, from the, from the draft, um, from the farm system, international signings all the way to the major league level. Um, you know, we, we try to balance it out between, you know, being kind of a heavily saber oriented, um, group of analysts that we've got, but we also try to cater to like fans who just want to enjoy the game. We don't judge everybody should enjoy baseball however they want to at any level, so we try to keep that all in mind. Um, you can find me as well on Twitter at Fiscadoro74. Um, and we do run a podcast that I am the host of, the BYB podcast. Um, we just put out a new episode yesterday, and you can find that on our front page. And you can also find that on um, on our Twitter feeds as well. So if you're interested in the Detroit Tigers, and who wouldn't be, come check it all out. <laughs>